Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast. Fly high and proud. And if you should fall, remember you almost had it all. For those of you that love sports, you all know about Bo Jackson. And what makes Bo Jackson special was he dominated two different sports. It's very unusual. We have someone from the world of music that's done the same thing that I'm fascinated by. Opera great, still is, but she's turned her attention to jazz. And uh, you want to know how good she is? Well, in New York City, she plays the best places, and they've actually called her uh, kind of the female Sinatra. I, I heard her on Seriously Sinatra the first time, and I thought... My gosh, this is uh, this is pretty impressive. So, Rose, thank you for joining us today. That switch, did you take everybody by surprise? Because I know, as I recall reading about, you actually were asked to step on up and do a, c- a couple of things, and you decided not to do opera, that you did uh, some great American songbook stuff. Hi, yes, and thank you for having me on your show. I'm so excited, and, and so it's so wonderful to talk to you. And yes, it did, that did happen. Um, I was in Palm Springs, and a dear friend of mine by the name of Pat Rizzo, who was one of the best horn players this country ever had, um, he played for Sly and the Family Stone and Sinatra. And uh, he had a great uh, trio, and he played at Dickie's of Santa Fe, which is pretty well known for live good jazz. And there were times, of course, he knew me as an opera diva his uncle actually was the music librarian at the metropolitan opera for 40 years and me being at the met we knew i knew his uncle johnny so when i met pat you know there was a there was a great connection so this one evening when he was playing at dickie's he asked if i'd like to sit in and he thought i would do something kind of classical you know right. kind of operatic well i don't know what what uh, what got into me that night? But I did a jazz tune, and it was can't help loving that man of mine. And Pat almost fell off his chair, and he said, "I didn't know you could sing like that." And I said, <laughs> "Yeah, I can do it." You know, when once you're an opera singer, classically trained, you you really can sing a lot of genres. So um, at the piano that night was a man by the name of Bob Corwin, who was the son-in-law of the great Johnny Mercer, who played for Johnny for 20 years and who also um, played for uh, Carmen McRae, Peggy Lee. He was the musical director of the Playboy Club in Hollywood for seven years. And and Bob is a legend. And he, Pat turned to me and said, you know, you should start working with Bob Corwin. Well, that was the beginning of another new genre. And about uh, uh, oh, I got eight months later, we produced our first CD, which is This Is My Life, which received 
a five-star rating from uh, Associated Press and Jazz Weekly. And a lot of those tunes uh, you probably have heard on Seriously Sinatra. Oh, yeah, I love that uh, stuff. And, and, and what you're able to do is, first of all, you were actually when you were a kid, they thought you were going to be a dancer, right? And then you, from there, you decided to well, go into. I was. Well, I was. I studied ballet, and um, actually, at fourteen, had a scholarship to American Ballet Theater, and then I went on, and, and that's how I got to the Met. Really, as a dancer, and then ten years later, came back as a diva. The the training, of course, people people that know. I have a friend that does some of this, at, you know, at a much lower level. But I look at what she has to do. The training of this is incredible. It's really incredible. I mean, there's so few people that can do it. Uh, I guess you have to really dedicate yourself, right? I mean, there's there's no uh, taking this lightly. You don't just pick up the microphone and go. No, it has to be part of your soul, okay? And then there I was on the stage of the Metropolitan Opera with all these great great, great singers. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of them we don't have today, like Maria Ca- You know, I would stand next to Maria Callas. I would stand next to uh, Franco Corelli, and I'd hear these voices, and, you know, they touched my soul. And I, and I said, I need to do this. <laughs> and, that's, and I knew a ballet dancer's career was not that long. And I uh, auditioned at Juilliard, and I was accepted. And then... Oh, a couple months later, one of the conductors at the Met said to me, what do you, I said, I'm going to Juilliard, and he said, what are you going to major in? And I said, voice, and he said, really? He said, I didn't know you sang, and I said, yeah, I do, and he said, well, come sing for me, and I did, and he was so impressed that he said, how would you like to take, you know, be trained here at the Met, because we feel you have some great potential and you can go to Juilliard and take your other courses well that's what happened so my training really came my vocal training even though I went to Juilliard I have to say my vocal training came from the Met we're going to go through this I mean what, what I find fascinating Rose about your life is you played at the best places let's talk we talk about the Met <laughs> Carnegie Hall I know it, 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 this is what you do, and this is, it means that you're at the top of your uh, top of your field. But when you go in those places, does it send us kind of a chill down your throat? Like, my gosh, here I am at this level, because you know you're in the big time. I mean, it's c- kind of like uh, if you're in horse racing, getting your horse to K- Kentucky Derby or right. car, car racing to Indy. It just seems like that must be the pinnacle, and you know, like, wow, and I've got and I've got to continue this. Yeah, um, it's very surreal when you're standing on the stage of Carnegie Hall um, and you know who's been there. Uh, it, 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 it is. It's, and then, of course, I've been at Steinway Hall, mm-hmm. and that was so amazing to uh, perform there, too. But you know what was really surreal was about a year and a half ago, right before the pandemic, I got to record at Capitol Records. And I was in Studio A, and I was using the same microphone that Frank and that King Cole used. How cool is that? <laughs> I mean, that, is, that, that, that cool. was surreal. <laughs> That's great. Well, you know, you talk about Frank Sinatra. You've 
been with them. You've sung the, the names that you've been involved with. I mean, from the from the world of opera, Pavarotti and uh, Placido Domingo, and then you know from the world of jazz and so forth. You got Sinatra. You've got Vic Damone. You know Bob oh, Hope. Man. These are these are big hitters and. Does that, does that kind of bring out your best? You know, I would think that, it, you know, rather than scare you off, it would be the type when you're there like, okay, let's do it. You know, let's, let's really well, uh, bring well, it. It was interesting because Bob Hope uh, invited me to sing at his um, Desert Classic uh, Gala. And um, he heard me in Washington, D.C. when I sang for the 30th anniversary of Alan Shepard, the first American in space. And he heard me sing, and he said, I'd love you to come to be on my show. And uh, I was, I guess, the first opera singer at the time. You know, I was strictly singing classical. And he invited me, and during the, during rehearsal, I was on the show with Vic Damone, um, John Denver, um, of course, Bob, and uh, Frank Sinatra. And I was rehearsing, and in walks Vic Damone. And Dick said to um, Bob Holt's agent, Mark Ampneu, who was with me at the time, oh, my goodness, who is this lady? And he said, you know, she's from the Metropolitan Opera. And he said, oh, my God. He goes, her exact words were, she's too beautiful to be an opera singer. <laughs> anyway. Um, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Damone. And he came up to me and he said, honey, you don't know how to use a microphone, do you? And I said, no. I said, because... We don't use microphones in the opera world. He said, well, let me give you a lesson. He gave me an hour and a half lesson on how to use a microphone. And it was it was really funny. And then the, that night when we were to uh, do the show, I was to go, I was to open before Vic. So Vic came up to me and he said, honey, and I said, yes. He called me Rosie. Rosie, yeah. I went, yeah. He said, do you mind if I go first? And I said, no, okay. He could you know what? I'm not going to follow you. <laughs> and I thought, what a compliment from yep. a man who I idolized all my life, who had the best pipes in the business, really. And Sinatra always said that. And then about a month later, he called me and he said, you know, I've always wanted to do something at Lincoln Center. Can we do a show together? And Vic was really operatically trained. And we did a show at Lincoln Center. And uh, we actually did the duet from Don Giovanni together. And he real I mean, he knew how to sing. Yeah. And we became good friends. And uh, he respected me. And, of course, I always respected him. Well, that that is fantastic. You know, I, I was thinking about, I, I love that story about learning to use a microphone because that, that it definitely is true. And with opera, you belt it out. Have you, did you ever think of going on stage and tell, doing some like a Broadway play? Oh, well, yeah, I did do Phantom on Broadway. Wow, okay. <laughs> I yeah, didn't realize I, that. Of course, I, I played the part of an opera singer, so it was, it was there. <laughs> and uh, not too long ago, um, a producer by the name of Joe Paley saw me at Birdland, and he was producing the show Ruthless, a mus the name of the, the Broadway show was called Ruthless, a musical, and he came up to me and he said to me, you know, I've heard these songs before. I did a tribute to Johnny Mercer. And he said, I've never heard them done like you. He said, because the way you phrase, you are so much like Sinatra. And he said, um, 
I want you to come and see my show, Ruthless, which was off Broadway. And he said, um, I want you to pay attention to the lead. And so we went, we, you know, and we enjoyed the show. And he said, you know, I want you to be my lead in the show Ruthless. He said, it's going to London, but then it's going to come back here. And when it comes back to the States, I would love you to be the lead. So I thought that was quite, you know, that was very exciting. You brought up a great point that I wanted to talk with you about. Like you were talking about with Sinatra. So many people try to sing Sinatra, and they try to just sing it like him, and you can't. You just can't, No, right? no. There's only one Frank. Come on. Right. No, but, but 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 what I find interesting is what you do, and I, I, I go around YouTube, and I, I suggest everybody look, uh, look up Rose Kingsley on YouTube. You get a feel for it. But yet, you bring your own style to these things, and that must be really fun, because not only are you a good singer, but you don't just go there and try to sing the song the way it was done by whoever made the hit out of it or whatever, but you put your own phrasing and so forth, and uh, I I would imagine that's something important to you, right, to kind of make it your own. Oh, no, no doubt. As a matter of fact, there are so many songs that people say, well, can you sing this, or do you want to do that, and... and um, as a matter of fact, my husband, who happens to be here, who's my manager and my agent, and he's amazing, Norm, you can say hello. Hi. Uh, hi, Norm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, he's a mover and a shaker, no doubt. And uh, he produced my first album and um, actually my second album also at Capitol. But um, he would say to me, oh, you know, I like this song. Could you sing it? And there have been a couple songs that I would say no and he'd say, well, why, you know? And I'd say, because I don't feel it, mm. you know? And there are a lot of songs that I feel, that I don't feel, and I can't, yeah. I can't sing them now. Now, there have been some songs that I have put my own spin that I normally didn't like the song, and then I find out, yeah, I like putting my own spin on it. And then it, 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 it kind of interacts with my soul. Yeah, well, don't you think that's really what all the greats, like you say, Sinatra, you mentioned Nat King Cole before. There's something about it. Yeah, they can they can take a song and they make it their own, and consequently, it's a new spin on, on a song that's familiar. Because a lot of people do. I, that's what I find interesting, you know, this great American songbook. I would imagine you must love that because those songs are great, and they're kind of open to interpretation, and that's what you do. Definitely, definitely. As a matter of fact, the Mer- you know we're we're pretty close with the Mercer family and um, uh, Johnny's grandson and uh, Johnny's daughter Mandy, who was up until a couple months ago was alive, and she she wrote me a beautiful letter and she said, "What you do to my father's music, my father would have loved." Um, and it was quite a compliment, and uh, I can send you the letter. And um, they said, it's amazing. He would have loved, Johnny would have loved what you've done with his lyrics. Oh, absolutely. You know, because that was kind of the key. And Mercer, was, his stuff was so great. You know, it's like the Gershwin stuff and what have you. You, you can take it all. They're so well written and so forth. And it's the phrasing and the way you take that and you kind of make it your own, like we've been talking about, that really makes it special for people. I mean, it, it really is. Are you enjoying singing jazz as much as you did opera? Definitely. And and for that reason, you know, I mean, opera will always be a part of me and it's part of my soul. But in opera, you have to sing exactly the way the composer wrote it. 
you know, if there's an eighth note, you can't sing a half note. If there's a half note, you can't sing a whole note. But in what I'm doing now is, hey, you know what? I can do what I want with this. You know, I get a certain feeling, I, and I want to hold that note a little longer. I can do that. You know, and that's so, it's so important to me, and it's so, it's so exciting because there's my drama. You know, if somebody said to me not too long ago, you know, Rose, you're a singer, but you know what you really are? You're an actress who sings. Yeah, because there is that, exactly. And I, I, people will love what you do with this type of thing. But, but that training, you getting back to that, you know, going back to Juilliard and all that stuff, that allows you to be able to do all these things, right? Because basically your voice is an instrument, as I understand it. Oh, absolutely. That's right. And, and I'm, I've also been a professor of voice. I've taught at Auburn and Chapman University and Cal State. And I would tell my students that the voice is really, there are, there are no three or four parts to the voice. The voice from the bottom to the top is one voice. And when you learn to use that one voice correctly, which is with total support and, and, and a totally open throat, you can do anything. And, and that's what I remember with the first time I heard Vic Damone. I said, you know, Vic, you are really, you've been trained correctly. And he goes, well, Rose, the secret is I took opera lessons. I said, ah, there we go. There you go. <laughs> well, you, I knew that. But, you know, you, your parents did a great job in terms of giving you confidence. I know you grew up as an only child. And, uh, right. <laughs> your, your dad was a lawyer, right? So he, he kind of right. wanted you to be a lawyer, but that just wasn't where your heart was. No, it really wasn't. But I remember humoring him, you know, because when I was nine, ten years old, he would take me into the courtroom. He'd say, I want you to listen to this case, you know. And I'd sit there and I'd go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he'd say, you know, we're going to go to law school. And I'd go, yeah, uh-huh. And then when I had, you know, my scholarship to American Ballet Theater at 14, that's when he kind of got the, got the message that Rose yeah. wasn't going to law school. <laughs> Yeah. But um, he did say two things. He said, well, all right. He goes, but I want you to at least get a degree, and I want you to do two things. <laughs> I want you to take typing and shorthand. <laughs> <laughs> Just always having a backup, right? <laughs> exactly. Always be a legal secretary. I went, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. You know. But, you know, when I look back, seriously, I think I'd been an attorney I would have loved to have been a criminal attorney because you know what? In the courtroom, you have to be a good actress or yeah. an actor. That's exactly. That. Yep, yep. Exa <laughs> I was thinking that. That's exactly right. And you might have had a big political career because you hang around with presidents. I mean, you performed in front of three <laughs> of them, as I understand, right? H.W., uh, yeah. Clinton, and one other one, too. And I can't remember which one. President but Ford. Ford. I President Ford. President yeah. Ford. And uh, I did a special event for um, uh, George H.W. Bush, who was a lovely man. He was so sweet. And uh, and then I did a big fundraiser for, um, you know, William in 1992 <laughs> in Houston at the um, at Symphony Hall. And I raised him $1.2 that night. That's what the tickets brought in. Wow. So I was proud of that. And no, I didn't get to sleep in the Lincoln bedroom. I got, what I did get is he gave me a little gold saxophone. 
Nice. Well, coming from a sa- fellow sax player, you know, <laughs> that's nice. Uh, <laughs> it's too bad. You should you should have insisted on the uh, the Lincoln bedroom, though. That would have been. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm sure that would have gone over. Well, probably with Bill, it might have gone over well. Not with Hillary, but that's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's no, talk but, about. No, I have to tell you one thing. When you meet. When you meet the president of the United States, and I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat, it's like meeting God. Yeah. It really is. You know, you've got it, it, it's it's there there again. It's that surreal experience that you know you're meeting the leader of the free world, and it's like, uh, yeah, you're kind of left. You're like you're kind yeah. of left speechless. Yeah. Let's talk about this great event that you've got coming up. It's going to be on Sunday, September 19th. So we're almost there at 2.30 in the afternoon. The music of Andrew Lloyd Webber. And boy, uh, as someone that we we were talking about before with the dramatic and so forth, doing Webber must be exciting for you, right? That's just almost at the level of uh, opera, you know? (laughs) It's kind of exciting. Well, it is because, I mean, he, he wrote so many great, great, great musicals and great music um and and fyi he um took a couple of notes from some prominent uh composer named puccini so he knew where to borrow a lot of good music from um <laughs> but this, but the 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 the, uh, the event we're doing which we've done at the Hamptons in New York. We did it at Feinstein's in New York. We did it in Atlantic City. We did it in Portland. Um, we did it in Chicago. Uh, Palm Desert, we do an, you know, um, an evening or afternoon, in this case, of Andrew Lloyd Webber. So we do songs from Jesus Christ Superstar, um, Evita, Cats, uh, Sunset Boulevard, and the second half we do actually quite well about seven or eight tunes from the phantom oh yeah (laughs) yeah and we play raul we played christine we played the phantom and people really love it because they know you know they wait for it they know these songs and uh it's a and not only that, but I have my colleague from the Metropolitan Opera coming, mm-hmm. uh, Alan Glassman, who is a phenomenal singer and who has sung this music. And my conductor from the Metropolitan Opera, Gregory Bookhalter, is coming out to be our musical director. So it's going to be a great, great, great show. Yeah, it's, and, and, I mean, and it's in a I great spot. You were here. I wish you were here to hear it. <laughs> well, let's say, first of all, it's a great place. Uh, the Summerlin Library Performing Arts Center. It's a wonderful spot to go. You know, it's not one of the showrooms in, in Vegas. It's actually better for that. you got to find out to get out there. It's at 1771 Inner Circle Drive in Las Vegas, but it's easy to find. And uh, have you ever played out there before, Rose? It's a great spot. Yes, yes I have. As a matter of fact, I now have a residency up until next spring of 22 that I will be doing a show every other month because I love the theater. It seats 300 people. It's intimate. And I can be with the people, which I love to do. And, uh, yes, we are working on getting me on the strip in another, in a, in a similar situation so that I am in an intimate, um, yeah. you know, and an intimate uh, place to be with people 
And uh, so we're working on that, too. Yeah, and I hope you get it because people will love you there. You know, it's one of the things you come out to the uh, strip and you might want to see Lady Gaga or Aerosmith, whatever it is. But your type of music, you know, such a great a great uh, performer, and in a smaller location, you really enjoy it. I, I, I think your music is kind of meant to be in one of those uh, facilities whereby you can really hear, like, you know, you played Carnegie Hall. Any place that's got right. great acoustics, it just you can't be beat. No, that's true, and and that's what we love about the uh, performing arts in Summerlin, is the, 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 the sound is fabulous, and of course, nobody speaks and that's one thing I will not sing when people, you know, I will ne- I will very rarely get up in a lounge or mm-hmm. people are talking or drinking because, you know, that's not what I'm used to. <laughs> no, well, you so, know, I mean, if you want that, go to a place where you're supposed to go to a hockey game. You know, you can have also you can scream throughout the entire thing. It's not meant for that. No, that's true. And speaking of hockey games, I have sung the anthem for quite a few major league football and baseball games. No. And, uh, yeah, and recently I just did the anthem here in Vegas for their um, farm uh, baseball team, the Aviators. Oh, great. Yeah, that's, the, cool. that's a lot of fun. we got to get you out to Legion Stadium, do it at a Raider game or something. Yeah, um, well, we're working on that next. Okay, well, <laughs> that that is good. So how do people get tickets to this? Okay, they can get tickets. Uh, they can uh, three ways. They can go on show tickets. For you.com mm-hmm. and they can also go on rosekingsley.com or they can phone in at 760-636-0008. We will do all that. And one more thing that we should really cover here. You've got a great website. Uh, that's, oh, yes. So that's what? rosekingsley.com? Easy enough. And, and- <laughs> And also, you can hear me on, I have my own radio station on Pandora. Look under Rose Kingsley. And I'm on Spotify. I'm on Google. I'm on Apple. If anybody has um, Apple, yeah. you know, and, and uh, Alexa, just say, Alexa, yeah. play Rose Kingsley, and I will pop up. Well, that's terrific. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, really. And then finally, go to your Rose's website because you can buy her music there and I'm, I'm telling you you need to look at those albums and so forth you've got some great stuff up there those albums are wonderful do you get people kind of constantly look at that because that stuff never gets old no and, and, and that's what I love about the songs I record you know they're, they're, they're standards they're never going to go away hopefully I mean it is the great American songbook and, and uh, that will never change you know, uh, um, we need to keep it alive, and that's what the Mercer family said. You know, you've got to keep our our father's music alive because um, it's too wonderful. Yeah. You know, Johnny was Johnny was a poet. Yes. and uh, and his words nobody wrote like Johnny. Well, know? yeah, and, and you have a CD, a Divas tribute to Johnny Mercer, and you sing songs like that old Black Magic and Moon River. <laughs> Great stuff, I man! Just love it. So people, you can't go wrong. Thank you so much for being with us today. I really oh, appreciate thank it. You.
What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. E-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com. Have your collectibles taken over your house? Well, maybe it's time for those treasures to find a new home. And I've got just the place to help you do that. The place to go is Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, where they are always buying. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads has over 35 years of experience buying collections of sports cards, memorabilia, bobbleheads, toys, action figures, comic books, Hot Wheels, Star Wars, movie posters, and more. If you've collected it, there's a good chance they'll buy it. No collections are too large or too small. Call Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads at 310-534-4180 or text them pictures of your collection. That number again is 310-534-4180. That's 310-534-4180. Baseball Cards and Bobbleheads, 310-534-4180. 